Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of dataitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country trying to figure out some kind of BS to tell their boss to get out of working on this beautiful Friday. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Derry, sports betting writer at bet.nola.com, the Times Picune, and the Advocates. And yeah, I mean, look. You know, you start thinking this time of year if you live anywhere around New Orleans or the South. Um, you know, if you live in the North, you're ready for summer. And I guess some people around here are, but I start looking at the forecast this time of year and saying, yep, this is the last little cool snap we're going to have for probably the next seven months. That's how my brain, I hate summer. God, do I hate summer. I really do. And I'm the only one in my household that does. The rest of them, they, they can't get enough of the beach. Uh, most of my friends feel the same way. They love the beach. Doesn't matter if it's hot. I hate hot. And when it, once it gets, I mean, and, I, and I've lived here my entire life, and I think it's because I'm getting old, and it, the, the older I get, the worse it gets. But I hate, I hate the heat. And we're about to get into those days when, Oh, man, remember when it was the highs were in the low 80s? Yeah, that's going to be a distant memory real soon. Yeah, I saw an interesting tweet from C.J. McGowan the other, the other day um, talking about how they told him it would get close to 90 here this time of year, and he just didn't know how to expect it, uh, and it hit him like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I had to respond. You ain't seen nothing yet, my friend. <laughs> I mean... 90 degrees, yeah, that ain't, we'll be wishing for 90 degrees in about two months. It's coming. And so enjoy this last little cool snap. Uh, all kinds of stuff going on around the city. Um, it's a fun time. And if you, if you live on the North Shore like I do, not far away from Ponchatoula, Strawberry Fest is going on. Uh, we'll give a little, little shout-out tribute to Strawberry Fest to the end of the show. But you don't want to hear about what I think about the weather Oh, I mean, come on. It is pretty gorgeous outside. And I know you really are trying to get out of doing work today. The Masters is on TV. Beautiful weather at Augusta. Maybe a little windy. We'll see what goes on over there. Um, Major League Baseball started up yesterday. My Cubbies are 1-0. They're on pace to go 162-0. It could happen, boys and girls. Don't give up hope. Um... Saints are making moves. The Pellies, the New Orleans Pelicans, they're on fire. They win it last night, 127 to 94. Did you lay the 16 and a half like I told you to? If you did, you were a winner. They are now two games ahead of the Spurs' magic number to clinch that nine seed and host the play in game against the Spurs is one. One win by the Pelicans or one loss by the Spurs. And the Pellies will host the play-in game next week. Uh, that's pretty amazing if you think about it. I mean, it, it, it's beyond incredible. We're going to talk mostly about the Saints today, but I, I do want to touch on this because 
I've said it before on the show, but what Willie Green has done with his team is nothing short of incredible. It, 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 you know, three and what was it? Three and sixteen. Three and sixteen. They're thirty-six and forty-four. And they're, I mean, really, if they play it on another few weeks, they might be able to get to the eight spot. They're only four games behind the Clippers for the eight spot. Um, and they've had to win, which is why I liked them yesterday. They want that nine spot. They want to play that play-in game at home. And I tell you what, I'm and I don't. They win that play-in game, that first play-in game, and they get most likely the Clippers. You would have to think. They get the Timberwolves Clippers loser, and they'd have to go there to go to L.A. I know they lost to the Clippers last week in a big way, um, but that was after that emotional Lakers win. Uh, I got to think that the Pelicans would have a great chance to make the real playoffs and go to Phoenix in, in round one. So, I mean, it, look, who knows with this team? They are playing great basketball right now, and it's fun to watch. If you haven't watched them, you need to because they are they are fantastic, playing fantastic right now. They had to win last night. They had to win in a convincing way, which is why we liked them. They won in more than a convincing way uh, by 33 over the Portland Trail Blazers, who have all but given up the ship for the season. Uh, next up tomorrow, they will face the Memphis Grizzlies on the road, their final regular season road game of the year. Tomorrow at 5 o'clock in Memphis. Memphis is pretty much, they're not playing for much either. John Morant's pretty much done for the regular season. Uh, the Grizz are, 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 are locked in to their spot. They are locked into the, the two spot. Um, so they don't have a whole bunch to play for right now. And then the, the Pelicans wrap it up on Sunday night, I believe, on national television at 8.30 against the Golden State Warriors. Another team that, uh, I mean, theoretically, they're playing for something. They're trying to, I guess they're trying to stay out of the four spot. Uh, They are just one game ahead of Dallas for that four spot. Uh, And Dallas has a game that the Pelicans fans will possibly be interested in. If the Pels don't win against Memphis, then they will be paying attention to what San Antonio does against the Mavericks on Sunday night playing at the same time. Because then if the Spurs beat Golden State tomorrow and the Pelicans lose to Memphis, then that Sunday game will be for the non-seed. Again, makes a big difference. That's coming up on Sunday. So we'll talk more about the Pelicans uh, next week, obviously, as they get ready for their play-in game, whether it is at home most likely or on the road at San Antonio. And uh, obviously, with all the trouble the the Pels have had with San Antonio throughout history, Fairly brief history, I guess, if you look at the grand scheme of things. Uh, they would much rather play San Antonio at home, despite the fact that they're two games better than them so far this year. All right, let's move on to the Saints, which is our main topic of discussion today. We're going to have on Amy Just, our own Amy Just, who covers the Saints for the Times Beginning the Advocate. And I got to spend some time with Amy earlier in the week. We both covered the Final Four. Um, she did a lot more work than I did. Uh, but she is... Fired up, a Kansas grad, so uh, she not only got to cover her homes, her her former school, uh, but she got to cover them winning a national championship, first national championship for the Jayhawks in 14 seasons. So Amy Just is in a good mood. Figured, 
what better time to bring her on than on a Friday morning? Uh, all the Saints moves that, that were made earlier in the re- week or really were overshadowed a lot by the national championship being here. So we didn't get a, lot, a whole lot of time to talk about it. That's what we're going to do today. And um, I've had a few days to process this trade. Uh, and I don't really feel any different, I don't think, than I did when I heard about it Monday. Um, trading a, your first-round pick this year, your first-round pick next year, and a second-round pick the following year for basically, in essence, two first-round picks this year. Um, it's a steep price to pay. And it's like I said Monday or Tuesday, I guess, on Datitude. Uh, we had a special episode, if you hadn't seen it and, uh, or heard it, you can go back and listen to it, episode 63. Oh, by the way, this is Datitude episode number 64, Friday, April the 8th, 2022, but most of you know that. Um, I, I just, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, and I go back, and if you didn't listen to the episode, one of the things that I, that I said was, I, it's a no-brainer for the Eagles, right? I mean, you're trading your number one this year. I mean, you're two number ones this year, but you're getting a number one back in basically the same slot. You're getting a number one next year, and you're getting a free number two out of the deal. Now, is it a huge price to pay for the Saints to have two picks this year, first-round picks? No, it's not a huge price to pay, but it's a no-brainer for the Eagles. I mean, unless you're just trying to revamp your roster, which that's not really where the Eagles are right now. I mean, sure, they have holes to fill. They weren't great last year, but they're not in terrible shape. But for the Saints, you better hit. You better hit on this. And um, we talk about it with Amy in just a little bit, but, you know, the clear and obvious thing is that the Saints have two glaring needs. Tackle and wide receiver. But as I've talked about on, on multiple shows this week, even if something's obvious, that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. In fact, more times than not, when, when something is obvious, it doesn't happen. So it's, I mean, it would be silly to think anything else but the fact that the Saints will draft a tackle and a wide receiver with the 16th and 19th pick of the draft which is coming up in just a few weeks. But I'd probably bet the field that that's not what happens. Now, could it be that they're posturing themselves to move up in the draft and take someone else? Possibly. But then you you know, you're you're mortgaging your first round pick again next year to move up to what? I mean, it just kind of depends on what the value is. Because even if you are to move up, chances are you're going to have to give some more picks up. And the good news is that the Saints do have compensatory picks in the third round. And if Sean Payton were to want to come back to coaching next year, which is the rumor, which is what Jeff Duncan told us a few weeks ago here on Datitude, that it is likely that he will want to come back to coaching next year. It's going to cost whatever team that gets him at the minimum a first-round draft pick and probably more. So stay tuned for that. So let's get into it with Amy because she covers this team on a daily basis. She's around uh, 
airline drive on a regular basis. I mean, no one can really know the inner workings of how a Dennis Allen administration is going to go because it's new. I mean, at least when you cover a coach for a while, you can start to predict a little bit whether you're right or wrong. At least you can start to predict things. I mean, you just can't predict anything. It's, it's not predictable with Dennis Allen. Mickey Loomis, as general manager, has shown that he's going to defer to his head coach, and he's flexible. Now, he's going to have the final say on whether they actually make a move or, or, or what pick they make. It's, it's his decision. But I think nine times out of ten, and I've been in, I know in a much lesser stage, I've actually been in a war room when the Voodoo were making their draft moves in the Arena Football League. And Mickey Loomis deferred to Mike New. He asked him questions like, are you, "Is why do you think this is what we really need? Are you sure this is what you want? Um, and then in the end says, well, if this is what you believe in, then let's go for it. And I guess that's really all you can ask, I mean, as a coach. And so, and really as a fan, you have to trust the coach, right? I mean, I mean you don't want a coach that's, the days of coach and GM, I think, are over, um, for the most part. I mean, there's still it still happens, but it's it's not it's not that common. But you need you need a quote unquote adult in the room, I guess. And uh, Mickey's done a great job, obviously, as this team has been successful for the majority of the past 16 years. Well, let's talk about it again with the person who knows and uh, enough of me yapping. Welcome to the Datitude Podcast on a Friday morning. Saints beat writer for the Times Speaking the Advocate, NOLA.com, in her glory, Kansas Jayhawks, won the national championship. Amy Just, welcome to the program, Amy. Thank you. Yeah, this week has been uh, pretty fun. Um, didn't get a national championship when I was in school, so it's pretty perfect. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it really matters when you get it, how you get it. It, it, You just got it. I mean, it was – I will say this about the the national championship, just the atmosphere. um, And, you know, we get caught up in being reporters and not being able to enjoy um, our schools and teams doing things because we're working. Um, And I know you worked your tail off this weekend. uh, But it it was kind of a cool moment, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the moment wasn't lost on me at all during any of the Final Four stuff. Um, it was really special for me the whole time, and uh, I'm glad that I let it be. You know, I wasn't, like, super homery or anything yeah. like that, but I still allowed it to be special. Well, as a guy who I have no ties to Kansas or any of the schools that was, that was there, really, um, and to, to be able to work and to, to see – uh, all the all the faces and, and people there that were just enjoying their time there it was kind of it was kind of cool and then to be there on the floor uh, Monday night and to talk to guys like Danny Manning and Paul Pierce and um, to see those guys who still care and you know you're talking about guys who spent decades in the M- NBA combined and they're on the floor there with their alma mater just enjoying it like anyone else it was that was kind of a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Danny loves KU, um, always has, always will. Um, 
I was telling you this off the air a couple days ago, um, that when I was a student journalist, he made all the time in the world for me when he was at Wake in the middle of the season. It's just he loves giving back to student journalists, journalists, KU fans, and uh, it is not a surprise to me that he was there hanging out. I I could tell because the confetti was rolling, and I'm like, I was almost – you know, you don't get nervous to, to talk to someone, but I'm I'm nervous to ask him in that moment when he's trying to celebrate, uh, you know, a moment that obviously doesn't come along very often, hadn't come in, four, in 14 years for the Jayhawks, and uh, but very gracious and, and absolutely no no problems whatsoever. So that, that was a fun time. All right, let's move on to what um, our listeners pretty much wanted to hear about, and that's uh, obviously <laughs> the New Orleans Saints and um, – it, it was a very busy start to the week. You were running around uh, trying to write Saints news but before the Kansas game. And um, obviously, I think the big news of the week is is the trade. Um, mm-hmm. and, you, and you look at this trade that the Saints made, and I'm, I'm interested to get your take on it. But first off, they traded their 18th overall pick, uh, a third-round pick, seventh-round pick, uh, and a 2023 first-rounder and a 2024 second-rounder to the Eagles' For their two first-round picks this year, 16 and 19, and the 194th uh, pick in in this year's draft, um, first off, did it take you as a surprise that the Saints made a move like this? Yes and no. It didn't surprise me that they made a move because they always trade draft picks around. Though what did surprise me was that it happened so far in advance of the draft. Um now you can, you know, think one or two different ways about this. Oh, they made this trade now, so that means they're going to package these picks and move up. That's a potential thing that could happen, or they're just they wanted two first round picks. We'll see what happens. Knowing the Saints, they're going to try to move up. They always try to move up. They tried to move up last year and it didn't work. Um, Who's to say, though, that they try to move up and nothing happens? That doesn't mean they didn't try. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not a surprise to me that they made this move. The timing, though, was. It, it's interesting because, you know, when teams, any team, when a team makes like moves like this, the end result seems obvious to some. Like, it, it would seem obvious the Saints – what do they need most? They need a tackle and they need a wide receiver. So it seems obvious that they would, okay, now they're going to pick a tackle and a wide receiver. But like you say, this very well could be a preemptive strike. Maybe they have something simmering semi in the works with another team to be able to move up to get something that they, that they're really targeting. And I don't, I don't think there's a team in the NFL besides maybe the new England Patriots that keeps their moves closer to the vest than the saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you just look at the last two drafts, um, who they took in the first round. Uh, most everybody was surprised by those picks. And uh, who knows if we'll be surprised this year. Because um, it's Dennis Allen's first draft, right. right? So you don't necessarily know what a Dennis Allen prototype is like you knew with Sean Payton, like when they drafted Adam Troutman, for example, you're like, Oh, didn't quite expect that. But you look at his tangibles. You're like, Oh yeah, that's a Sean Payton player. 
So can't. We'll well, we don't know what a Dennis that. Allen player is. We, right? don't. we don't. I said that earlier this week on WWL. We don't know what that looks like, especially on offense, especially on offense. So yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. Uh, draft feels like it's a long ways away, but it's really not. It's only a couple weeks from now. And if you look at this draft, if, if the Saints do decide to go tackle and wide receiver, it's, it's very wide receiver heavy. There are plenty of receivers that are, are going to be available when the Saints pick at either 16 or 19. Um, tackles, what do you see there? Um, do you, I mean, if that's the move that the Saints make and they don't trade up, do you think they can get a, a starting tackle at 16 or 19? Potentially, um, the better tackles in this draft, I think, are going to go before that. Um, there should be one or two left um, by the time those two picks roll around. But, you know, but maybe they're not. Or maybe they're, maybe more of them are left. Like, this this year's draft, like, I'm having such a hard time making sense of all of it just yeah. because it's not as – how do I say this? Every – you can put a list of the top 50 guys in front of everybody and have any, anybody rank them and – there's going to be so much variation. And then, you know, that doesn't even take into account the needs and wants of all 32 teams. So, I mean, 31, I guess, because the Rams don't really participate much this year, but it just, yeah, this draft, um, I haven't done as much research into it as I would like to because of all the saints things and final four stuff. But my early indications are that there's no real, clear, you know, oh, these, this is exactly how the top 10 is going to work out. I mean, every, and mock drafts are, you know, take them with a grain of salt, but I haven't seen very many that look very similar. This is going to be a year where, where teams and the saints are, are known to like pick somebody where you, where you say, huh? I mean, like Cesar Ruiz, for example, I don't think anyone expected Cesar Ruiz to go as high as he did. Now, it turns out he's been a starter for the Saints since he's got here. So it, you could say that, I mean, whether you love Cesar Ruiz or not, it's worked out because he's been a starter and the Saints absolutely had a need uh, on the interior of the offensive line when they, when they drafted him. So it, it's worked out for them because that's what they needed. But this is a, a, a year, I think, when someone that might be projected to go in the second round goes in the first round or, or the other way around. Somebody that goes, mm-hmm. you know, like you say, you take the top 50 guys, except for maybe the guys at the top five or, or yeah. eight of this list. I mean, you can kind of toss them up, except for maybe quarterback. I mean, we, we, we know who the, the two quarterbacks are going to go, and, and they're going to go early, and Pickett and Corral, they're going to be gone. But you, you look at the rest of this, this list, I mean, there are going to be guys that – some mock drafts have go at 12 and they don't go to like 40 and some guys mm-hmm. that might go at 35 and somebody takes a reach on them at 16. Cause they really want them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I think you're going to see more of the confused reaction with more of the picks this year, just because number one, this draft class is the deepest draft class that they've had in a bajillion years because that's just the way it goes with COVID kind of ruining a lot of things for people last year. Um, 
And there's no real consensus as to who, you know, the top 50 guys are. You have a consensus as to like who the top 10 are. Right. But again, it doesn't necessarily match up with draft order because different teams have different wants and different needs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how this one all plays out. Um, Cause uh, for every team, not just the saints, just cause there's a lot of question marks um, all over the place. Amy, just here on the Datitude podcast on a Friday morning. Uh, Amy, I, I th- you would say though, that if the saints don't get a tackle and a wide receiver in the first round, I mean, they still could do something in free agency either mm-hmm. before or after the draft. I would imagine that um, free agency is kind of dying down a little bit, I think, until after the draft, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Unless there, I can foresee one or two major moves coming, not just necessarily for the Saints, but around the league. Uh, this time is usually pretty dead, though this offseason has been one for the ages. So I don't want to go on the record saying, Oh, nothing's going to happen. And then something (laughs) stupid happens. So, and your Twitter blows up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Traditionally. Yes, this is pretty dead, but this year, who knows? (laughs) Well, you know, one question, and I don't even know if you know the answer to this, but I mean, you, you kind of touched on, we, we, we have, even though we're surprised, we were surprised sometimes that Sean Payton picks or moves or whatever they decided to do. It's just so hard to 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 know what a Dennis Allen team is like. Um, and one thing that Mickey Loomis I think has has been outstanding at is he is one of the least rigid GMs there there are out there. He is going to defer to his head coach and. Um, I think even in the case, we don't know how he's going to react to Dennis Allen. He may put more of a stamp on it than he might normally uh, do, but you got to think he's going to defer to his head coach and say, all right, if this is the guy you want, this is the guy I'm going to trust you and and make the move here. But it's going to be interesting to see how Dennis Allen puts his stamp on things here early on. We've seen some of that already. Um, Not with the draft, but with roster construction, um, Proving that, you know, Taysom was definitely a Sean thing. Yep. Um, so there's one. Um, and we'll consent, continue to see more of those um, as the roster continues to get filled up. But, yes, you make a good point. Um, what have you, and, and, again, that's only a, a couple months. But uh, what have you seen so far from Dennis Allen that you like um, as far as just – Obviously, he's trying to be aggressive, and he is trying to put his own stamp on things. Do you get the sense that that the the franchise, the the team is is? I mean, they're behind him one hundred percent, right? Yeah, you have to be until he does something that makes you question that. Which he hasn't had a draft, no games, no training camp. You have to be. Um, I, the one thing that I am a little, I don't know what the right word is, um, looking for answers on, and we'll never get them, right? Um, Dennis, nor Mickey, nor Gail, for that matter, um, went into any depth about their pursuit of Deshaun Watson, and I thought their fans deserved better than that. Well... Again, like you say, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but you would hope 
that they were in contact with Jameis Winston with this throughout because one thing that is that it, that does uh, concern me when it comes to this, and um, I know it's a, it's a, it's kind of a touchy subject, and you're gonna probably have to dance around it a little bit. I can be a little bit more opinionated, but they had to have reached out to Jameis and say, "Look, we're we're pursuing Deshaun Watson," and you would hope that in the process, I mean, he he clearly understood and was a okay with it to the extent of he came back here but uh you got to hope that that doesn't linger on in feelings and say Jameis has a great season um does he hold it against the the Saints when it comes time to to sign a new contract I mean he's a two-year deal so it wouldn't be at the end of this year but I mean when does that come into play right I mean there's got to be feelings at some point he says hey you guys didn't really want me I came in here and did a great job you know does does that worry should that worry Saints fans I guess the question I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. You know, he, Jamin said himself that the Saints pursuit of Deshaun Watson made them have some tough conversations that they wouldn't normally have had and that he benefited from. So I think that's the rational way to look at it. You know, maybe, maybe he will have a chip on his shoulder for it, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I, I think so. It, but it's, it's, it is something that Saints fans are, are talking about. And then some Saints fans, the haters out there who blow my mind, by the way, um, I'm not sure what, what exactly they want. I'm especially the ones who think that a Andy Dalton's going to start or, or be miraculously Taysom Hill's going to, going to come and win this job, even though he's a tight end now. I'm not even gonna get you to comment on that because the social media, social mediaites, um, uh, they need to figure things out. The mute, mute is the mute button, Derry. The <laughs> mute button is a wonderful tool, isn't it? Stop typing when you start typing something stupid and stop typing. I mean, we all do it. We all type stupid things and then hit the backspace button. All right. Um, That's what the backspace button is for. Uh, it's it's a great tool. Everyone should use it, whether it's on the phone or on the computer. They should use it. Um, other things going on around the, the Saints world. Um, you know, they had some interesting signings this week, and uh, I particularly. We know the Saints need safety, and they got some safety help in a guy, even though it's a guy that that hasn't played in, in a couple of years because of injury. But I want to ask you first about Taco Charlton, and and I think that's a. You know, the Saints have always been great at, at finding guys, almost kind of um, Bill James-esque, right, uh, in baseball, where they, they find these guys who who were supposed to be studs uh, or maybe haven't lived up to their potential or at some point had a great couple seasons, fell off the, the planet, and then they make a move. Taco Charlton is a guy to me that is a no-risk player, comes in as a backup defensive end, and the guy could end up being a major factor on your team. Yeah, I mean, I look at I look at it like almost similar to Tano Passanio last year. Yeah, like, for sure. He had great seasons, kind of fell off the face of the earth, and was a key cog in the Saints' defensive end rotation until he got hurt. Um, I think that is the upside for him here. Now the Saints are they've got a lot of depth at defensive end. You returned both Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport and Tano and Carl Granderson. And then you have Peyton Turner, who was hurt for most of the year, their first-round draft pick from last year. So they're pretty deep there. Um, but I, with all the injuries the Saints had last season, 
you can't be too deep there, especially because they do rotate five when everybody's healthy. Right. So I thought it was no risk, essentially. You bring in, at worst, you bring in a veteran guy to compete for reps and give good reps in, in training camp. Anyone you can, uh, yeah, anyone you can get to rush Tom Brady is a good thing, right? Hey, it's, uh, you never know uh, who's going to become a cult hero. Um, That's right. And with the name the like. A couple of years ago, yep. CJ Gardner Johnson last year. With yeah. a name like Taco, he could certainly be a cult hero real fast. Um, yes. And then you, you talk about depth there. Where they don't have depth is safety. And, uh, yeah. you know, bringing in a guy like Justin Evans, who uh, made an impact for the Bucks. Jameis Winston obviously knows this guy very well. Um, I think this is another really good signing for this team. Um, whether he becomes a starter or not, I think kind of depends on what they do either in the draft or outside free agents in, in free agency, which will get to a particular name. I think, you know, where we're going in, in a minute, but, but, but Justin Evans, is, is, I think it's a great signing for this team. And it's a guy that could, could really be a starter if he's healthy and can come back and, and play, um, and play like he played before. Yeah, I think he fits in this defense. Um, you know, he's pretty versatile, uh, which is we talk about how we don't know what a, a Dennis Allen player is. We do know right. what a Dennis Allen defensive player is, especially in the secondary, and that's that's a versatile guy who can play a lot of things. And Justin Evans is that. Um, again, you wonder about his health because he's been hurt for quite some time. But, again, like with Taco, no risk, essentially, yeah. um, in bringing him in. Um, he could ball out during training camp. You never you never know, especially like, he hasn't played football in two years. It's wild to me. But, you know, that's a story that you root for, right? A for guy sure. like that latching on somewhere. It's a great story. And, and, and uh, a, former, a former division rival at that. That, that too, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, just here on the Datitude Podcast. Um, well, we, we, we can't just let it go. I mean, the court, whether it's a courtship or whatever the heck it is, we don't know. But I think it's clear that Teran Matthew, the honey badger, wants to come to New Orleans if it can be worked out. Um, there's been buzz. I think I've seen more buzz on social media, minus the backspace button, uh, on him than I have on the trade this crazy trade that was made. And uh, I don't, I don't think we can know how close they are or not close. The two sides are, uh, but I think obviously there's interest from uh, Turan, whether the saints are interested enough to spend the money it's going to take to get him here. We may have to wait a little while to find out. Yeah. And it sounds like he's not really in a rush. Yeah. It's okay. He doesn't have to be. You know, uh, one of my um, friends in Kansas City, um, Kansas City Star columnist, uh, Sam uh, McDowell, he wrote a a story that published this morning. Um, I haven't read it yet. I just read some snippets of quotes. Um, He had a sit down with uh, Matthew here in New Orleans in the Final Four and um, sounded like he was 
Tyron was pretty upset that Kansas City didn't want to bring him back. Well, maybe that'll give him uh, some impetus to uh, <laughs> to come where if he does come here. Hey, but not that we play the the Chiefs, but uh, you know, give him a little, a little fire, a little fire in his belly to to prove some people wrong. Uh, he's the kind of guy that that could. And you know, guys, when they have a chance to come home, which isn't very often, um, we got to wonder: Would he give the Saints a quote-unquote hometown discount uh, to to come here? I mean, you got to think if it's down to three or four teams, and all the offers are around the same, you got to think the Saints would be favored in that list. Maybe, maybe not. Just depends on who he wants to play for, how how much money it is, and which teams it is. There's no question that the Saints have need there, right, Amy? I mean, you know, even with the signing there. Oh, yeah. that He would instantly upgrade their secondary. Right now, it's my biggest worry. Yeah. Right now. Things things will change after the draft um, because I do think they get a tackle and a receiver in the draft um, as of right now, just based on what those picks are. They could trade up. Some people think it's for a quarterback. I would trade out for a tackle, but, you know, I'm a reporter. I don't make the big bucks to make those decisions. Well, maybe so. you will one day, and then we'll have you on the Dad Two <laughs> podcast as, as general manager, Amy Joss. That would, that would be pretty I cool. I don't think I want that job. <laughs> I, I don't know. Being, a, being an NFL beat writer is, is, is pretty tough, and I don't think people realize it's – it's probably not. Uh, it's probably only twenty-two-seven instead of twenty-four-seven, like a general manager. But it, it's a pretty tough job. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be a GM. All right. Well, you say that now, but you're young. You you, you may one day. All right. Before <laughs> I let you go, I do want to. Um, uh, I want to touch on on the betting aspect, and I'm not going to ask you for for opinions on numbers or what you know what you what you would bet or whatever, anything like that. Cause you, you don't bet on stuff that you cover. I know that, but the, the last week coming up, the win totals, the saints as over under at seven and a half, which I thought was mind boggling almost. Don't, don't you yeah, think, me too. I mean, five to one to win the division. I mean, I, I get that Tampa Bay is the favorite and no one's going to say that Tampa Bay shouldn't be the favorite with Tom Brady coming back, but we don't know what kind of coach Todd Bowles is. We don't know what the atmosphere is going to be around Tampa Bay. And I think the Saints are clearly the second best team in the division, at least going in to the season, yeah. no matter what they do in the draft. So five yeah. to one to win a division, fifty to one to win the Super Bowl. What do you make of these numbers? They they think the Saints are gonna go either seven and ten or eight and nine after going nine and eight with the crazy circus that we had here last year. Don't you think that's that's a little weird? I do. I yeah, I don't bet on things I cover, but if I did, I'd take the over on those on those win totals. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe I mean, Vegas does something I don't, but I just I just I, I can't imagine them being that bad. I can't. I mean, outside of anyone that works in that office on Airline Drive, I would think you would know as well as anyone. I mean, I'm just trying to see if I'm missing something because it seems weird to me. It, uh, it just, it feels, yeah, I, yeah, unless I just, I, yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around it and I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just think, but even then, like Bruce Arians never beat the Saints in the regular season. Exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. So, I, mean, I mean, unless you're a Falcons fan, I don't see anyone that's going to take the under on the seven and a half. They're going to have to beg yeah, people to take the under there. Don't let your emotions get in the way of yeah. betting. Either. Yeah, well, I think we've all been guilty of that. So that some, paid some off for me this week. Yeah, so exactly. Should... Exactly. <laughs> It did not pay off for me. <laughs> not that I'm, I'm very happy for you, but it did not pay off for me at all. Uh, hey, man, taking futures in January, you never know what's going to happen. Nah, I took them in November. Uh, I thought the Duke Hollywood script was going to come to a conclusion. I thought it was going to be blue and white confetti raining down on the dome. But, uh, hey, I was close. Close doesn't count in your pocketbook, though. Amy, thank you, for, thank you for coming on early on a Friday morning. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. We'll be talking to Amy plenty more in the coming weeks and months. Saints just uh, a few weeks away from the NFL draft. And um, so obviously the next next few weeks, it'll be a lot of Saints, some Pelicans, uh, all kinds of good stuff here on Datitude. But the, the weather's too nice for me to talk anymore. You don't want to hear from me anymore. You want to go out and enjoy yourselves and like I said, there's all sorts of things to do this weekend. The Masters are on TV if you want to just, hey, bring the TV outside. I mean, this is it, boys and girls. It's not going to get any nicer. This is the last weekend we're going to have like this, probably for the minimum six months. I mean, maybe longer. The next time we have a weekend like this, the Saints will be six or seven games into their season. So go outside and enjoy this. And... uh whether it's the Strawberry Festival or all the things going on in town. I know a lot of people can't wait for Jazz Fest. That's coming up soon. All sorts of things going on. If you can't find something to do, it's because you didn't want to. And that's your bad. If you don't get outside this weekend, I got nothing for you. So, again, in honor of the Strawberry Fest going on, what else could we play? little Beatles music. It's Julian Lennon's birthday. The son of a Beatle is 57 years old today. So if you think I feel old, you're right. You too? I hear you. We'll see you next Friday. Peace and love, my friends. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to Strawberry Fields. Nothing is real. Bye.